Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. When it comes to relationships, people follow patterns mostly based on their childhood upbringing. And certainly that also affects our what's called love attachment style. And love attachment style is how we bond to another human being based on these wounds and traumas. It's good to feel chemistry on the physical and an emotional level, but also have an awareness that we can bond with a partner that may not be healthy with us. I'm encouraging compassion, but I'm also encouraging something else, and that's respect. And sadly, people are dating without respecting the other person's feelings. And what I mean to say is they're dating myopically. In other words, I'm only caring about what I get out of this experience. Introducing the high energy Jonathan Asley, author of What the Heck is Self Love Anyway? And this guy is a dating coach and expert specializing in midlife and purposeful dating. And he has an interesting backstory. He's gone through some tragedies and some losses and a lot of self reflection. And his theme is that dating brings out triggers our deepest fears that we're not good enough, right? What else could put you on display more so than clicking that uh, link to put your profile live or going out on that first date? And he says, we're kind of uh, setting ourselves up for a lot of failure and disappointment with the traditional model. So he gives a whole bunch of interesting insights in this fast-moving show about how to evolve the dating process, how to be the best you can be. And that entails cultivating self-love first before you put yourself out there and have perhaps a selfish approach to dating if you don't have that self-love as a starting point. That means healing from childhood trauma and becoming more aware. Oh, it's a great show filled with a whole bunch of good suggestions for reading, including his own book, but many others. Well-read guy with all kinds of ready insights. I love his four pillars of a successful relationship. So it's not just for dating, a lot of relationship advice too. And I'll give you this little tidbit to make sure that you listen to this awesome show with Jonathan Asley. The four pillars are first, of course, chemistry, but a lot of times that's overvalued or it clouds out the other ones. And the second one is shared values, right? About health or uh, political, whatever it is to make it a smooth and easy fit. Uh, the next one is blendable lifestyle. So again, has to work out on a practical level. And finally, the big one, emotional maturity. <sighs> Put those four together and you have a chance for success. Let's hear more from Jonathan Asley. Jonathan Asley, I got gotcha, you, man. I'm sorry for uh, you, uh, you. I was a no-show. I, I pride myself on being punctual. I had no idea what time it was. And here you are smiling after waiting for me. And I got you warmed up. You have some really interesting things to say, and I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. 
Yeah. Uh, you're the author of What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway and have a lot to say about the, the dating scene and maybe some uh, opinions that are counter to some other experts that we've had on the show. So we're going to have some fun, man. I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm just jazzed. And for the record, I appreciate you getting, helping me get out of bed and take a shower. So no worries on being late. Uh, I hope you're in Hawaii or something then, because we're not too early, but <laughs> whatever. We keep our own schedule. Uh, so you sent me this beautiful email, and I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about this backstory and how you got to this position of you know what you're communicating in your books and everything. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. So professionally, I'm a dating and relationship coach. And um, how that journey began really quickly is uh, after going through a divorce and finding myself single, I did this thing called internet dating. And I do that in quotes because um, I thought it was really simple. You could just magically put in or you can put in what you want and someone would magically appear. And after a hundred unsuccessful internet dates in one year, Come on, man. Are you are you embellishing there? You went on a hundred dates in one year. No, that's that's an actual number. I was literally going out on two dates a week on average, sometimes two in a day. Um, but what I realized after a hundred dates was there was the problem wasn't the dates, the problem was me. I was the common denominator. So I began uh, a journey of personal development, self-help, and spiritual work. And what that eventually prepared me for was. And I'm, I'm fast forwarding my story because in uh, July of 2018, I lost my 19 year old son. And anyone who's a parent, anyone listening to this note, anyone can empathize with, you know, losing a child is the worst thing that can happen to a parent. And in the depths of my pain, I was at his, I was at his funeral giving the eulogy and I stopped and I turned to everyone in the audience and I said, look, I'm going to make a conscious choice to grieve with love. I'm going to make a conscious choice to grieve with love. And from that moment, I began a deep dive into what does it really mean to love both ourselves and others? And I began, you know, I literally didn't work for a year and a half. I began writing a book, literally days, I mean, two, week, two months after he passed away, I began writing my second book, uh, published it nine months to the day later, called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? And it's a journey of, personal development, self-help, and spiritual work as a way, as an antidote to inner suffering. And I call it a vaccination to emotional chaos. So, And why this is so critical in the dating realm is dating and relationships trigger the number one emotional health issue facing most everyone. And that is, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, and I'm not likable. And that's what I really am jazzed to talk about, because love is the antidote to all that. It certainly makes sense that dating is the trigger of your your deepest fears because yeah. you're putting yourself out there. I think from the the very starting point of clicking the button to sign up and uh, create a profile and, and you know take that take that massive leap. So uh, tell me about your leap that you took, and then then you went into the uh, the high volume uh, operation there in that first year. Well, what you know when I what what was interesting is. Um, I told you I went on a hundred internet dates, but what I was really doing was talking. I was addicted to online dating. I was a serial dater. I was talking to women on the phone all over the country. You know, sometimes I had six instant messages going at one time talking to women because I was addicted to the feminine energy. I was addicted to 
talking to women, but not from a dating perspective. I just wanted to connect. But what was happening, Brad, is I was talking to him like his friends. And pretty soon, some of them, there was never a date. I mean, again, I was talking to women all over the country. They would go, hey, Jonathan, will you check out my profile and help me make it better? And I'm like, sure. Ah. So, so I'd give them some advice. And then they changed their profile. And then three weeks later, I get the phone call. Hey, Jonathan, I've got this great date. Will you check out the guy's profile and tell me what you think of him? And I realized that after a while, I had a knack for profiling guys. And I, I jokingly say, do you know how the FBI have profilers for serial killers? Right, right. <laughs> I can profile serial daters, serial monogamous, nice guys, bad boys, and the guy looking for you. And that's how my business was birthed, literally helping women improve their profiles. But in the same time, as I shared before, I was doing a deep dive on personal development. And I recognized that the real greater issue in dating, mating, and relating isn't, you know, biology and attraction. It's more uh, healing our childhood wounds and traumas that we both, when we experience in childhood and in adulthood. So I'm more of a proponent of understanding human behavior than it is the biology of relationships. Yes, we hear that often that a lot of times we're trying to heal those wounds by repeating the story. So we, uh, the, the, the adult children of alcoholics will have a high propensity to uh, find someone who has a substance abuse and, and relive the, even though it was uh, perhaps a, a negative or you know, a, a harmful uh, subconscious stored memory. Uh, why does that happen and what can we do about it? By the way, a great book by Harvell Hendricks is called Getting the Love You Want. And it's understanding why we tend to, you know, there's the, what's the phrase, uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, when it comes to relationships, people follow patterns, mostly based on their childhood upbringing. Um, and certainly that also affects our what's called love attachment style. And love attachment style is how we bond to another human being based on these wounds and traumas. So uh, a great book also to read is called Attached by Amir Levine. And for those that are seeking a romantic relationship, I highly encourage to really do a deep dive on the books that I recommend, because I think at least, and I say the books I recommend because I've, I've read so many different books and I've kind of narrowed down some of the best ones to help people make better choices in their lives. So I don't think it's as simple as looking at your childhood example and repeating exactly what you saw with your own parents or your, your own uh, product of divorce. Uh, there's something, uh, there, there's some different factors in play here, right? You're maybe going to do the exact opposite of what you saw in childhood or something. Well, so we either adopt a behavior of our parent or we reject a behavior of our parents. So, and, and we're talking, and our parents have multiple, multiple behaviors. So it might be one behavior we've adopted like our parent. There's another behavior that we reject. So, and this carries suit in who we pick as mates oftentimes. So it's just, it's really, what's most important about reading these books is to create a level of awareness. Because when you're aware of a pattern, you get to have the choice. Do I want to repeat this pattern? And sadly, most humans, especially here in the United States, are sucking on the nipple of victimhood. Now, their victim consciousness, like they don't take personal responsibility for their choices. 
Um, Why the United States, man? What do we got? Well, What's our issue? We got well, a lot of international listeners too, so they can be smug right now while Jonathan tells us why they we're we're, well, we're all victims. Well, I, first off, victim consciousness. Yeah. Uh, let me. Well, because we have a propensity of it for one thing. You know, this is again just my perception, but uh, you know, smaller countries that have more of a similar values with it. like the United States is a melting pot of so many different values. We certainly have a a divided country where half the population, you know, is Democrat, half the population is Republic. Um, and there's, they're really rigid in their ideology. So that's where I'm differentiating between smaller countries where now I'm not saying that people don't have their differences, but we really have it because social media and our, and our entertainment industries and such like that is pouring out so much content Whereas I think in those smaller countries, it's more, it's more fam, it's more value based, it's more family based. Now that's not an absolute; it's just a, an observation. Sure, sure. So it seems like I mean your your theme here is that underlying this flawed model of dating are a bunch of people carrying around some baggage, maybe not feeling worthy enough because they have these stored memories. And that's what we want to break through and I suppose become more authentic and uh, more self-aware before we even put up our, our lousy profile that Jonathan has to correct for us. <laughs> exactly. Now, here's the thing. Most people have bought into the fantasy that chemistry equals relationship success. In other words, if we have chemistry for them, that is a guaranteed relationship success. And I can say, Brad, that the bodies are piled from here to the moon, which is a lot of bodies of where that wasn't the case. And so having an awareness, and I talk about the four pillars of relationship success, uh, A, chemistry is important. I don't want to discount that. Shared values is hugely important because if two people don't share the same values, uh, it's going to be problematic. Um, and I'll, I'll use your expertise, you know, when it comes to health, you know, someone who believes in health and it's important to them is probably not going to get you know, really be excited about dating someone who's a chain smoker and eats processed foods all day long. I'm not, because that's really a value in my opinion. Um, but, and there's more to that. Um, the third is blendable lifestyles, blendable lifestyles. Many people are dating where their lifestyles are so not capable of blending together, but they have this fantasy. But if we love each other, we'll make it work out. Or, which is really just that chemical reaction. And then the fourth and the most important piece is emotional maturity. And Ooh. as I said before, the vast majority of the population doesn't take personal responsibility for their choices. And that's a sign of emotional maturity, as well as some other factors as well. Those are great four pillars. I love that, man. Yeah, thank you. And let me guess, with the chemistry, is that going to wash out the other three for a certain period of time before they even become exposed? So think of chemistry. What's the word chemistry? Chemical. What is chemical? Chemicals being released in our brain, oxytocin, dopamine, testosterone, estrogen, all these chemicals are being released. And it's like, a, it's a drug. So right in the beginning, the love drug, you know, Cupid's arrow, all those sorts of things, that's either lust or limerence. It's not love. And so having an awareness around this, it's important, you know, it's good to feel chemistry on a physical and an emotional level, but also have an awareness that we could bond with a partner that may not be healthy with us, for us, excuse me. 
And so it's really important to have a level of awareness and consciousness around those four, those four, those three other pillars that I talk about. So I wonder when you were getting started with your uh, live six live chats going at the same time and being more buddy, buddy, maybe you were kind of drifting over to a heightened self-awareness where you realized it was more than just chemistry because seemingly when you first start and you go on your first date and you're interacting, um, you're probably trying to just spark that, uh, that need to be wanted and all those things that are superficial. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to own that as a man, men tend to be, you know, you know, there's this concept, men are hunters and chasers, right? But I'm here to say, what are we hunting and chasing? Are we hunting the following? I want to be in a relationship. I want to be in a, like men aren't hunting that. What are we hunting? Physical connection. That's what we're hunting. And so in the beginning, I was hunting physical connection. I'd feel that dopamine rush. I'd have sex with a woman, and I'm not proud of what I'm about to say. And then all of a sudden, I'd go, why don't I like her anymore? Like it would literally, I, I had this awareness because as minute as, as soon as that I was satiated, all of a sudden the chemicals were gone. And it took me some years to recognize that that was what was actually happening. And so now I'm not driven by the biological component of relationships. I'm, I'm driven more by seeing the bigger picture. Right. So what we want to achieve is to sustain that romantic spark, which uh, John Gray talks about is so important. John Gottman, all the other experts are saying that, you know, this is possible to sustain for a long-term marriage, but you also want to have those other things in play so that you're not annoyed uh, being in the same house as the person or having these uh, disparate lifestyles that cause so much, I guess, stress and, and, you know, lead to breakup. But that's, I think, what's going on with the celebrities where uh, you have the power couple and then someone's off shooting a movie for five months uh, with another leading lady. And then those, those guys are on the magazine the next month. It seems really difficult to sustain when you have those disparate lifestyles. Yeah. And that's kind of the exception, not the rule for the most part, you know, the average person, but that's certainly they can fall into that trap. You know, I, I'm a believer of the following romance should be reserved for relationships and not for dating. Let me repeat that. Romance should be reserved for relationships and not as a precursor to get into a, you know, into a relationship because this, because here's what happens. Romance is like, Hey, I need to convince you to like me. So I'm going to do these romantic things. And what happens is as soon as you like me, I'm not going to do those things anymore because I got what I wanted. Okay. Now I'm saying on a subconscious level, that's why I'm more of a proponent is, is romance is reserved for an ongoing relationship and to be conscious and have a daily practice of attention, affection, and appreciation as your relationship is developed and not as a precursor to get into a relationship. I like that. So let's, let's take that to, um, the rewind to the, the internet dating scene, which you have a lot to say about, and we'll, we'll get some tips and tricks going, but let's say that you're just in the early stages there and you're going to go meet for the first date. Uh, it's just coffee. Like they say in the airplane, it's just lunch in the airplane magazine or the, the coffee meeting place is the, the safe and secure one at midday. So you can leave after 27 minutes. Now, yeah. if we're going in date, number one, date, number two, date, number three, are you suggesting there's a little bit of, uh, need to hold back and not throw the 12 flowers in uh, right away and, and just kind of get more, a little more low key than we're us used to seeing. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to kind of cover that in a few different ways. So it's a rambling all, Brad Kearns question with five different angles you can take it. I love it. Yeah. So right off the bat, let's with that scenario, you're most likely 99.9% of the time meeting a stranger. Okay, you're meeting a total stranger, which is unlike the past when we used to meet people in the villages we lived in or the tribe or the small town or the workplace. Whole different way of connecting with another human being. So here's the challenge. When you literally only have 27 minutes to make a decision, it's almost always going to be based on energetic connection and chemistry. In other words, you're not going to most likely want to invest time unless there's something there. I see. So that's always the first gateway. And you always hear about that. Right. Well, and now it didn't used to be that way because if you if you got to know someone over a period of time, you would actually fall in love with who they were and not that, you know, that that perception because literally you have 27 minutes to make literally you have 27 and a half microseconds to make a decision because that's what happens in the first 3 seconds, right? Is You're literally so? making a decision based on what you see right from the get-go. Most people is that is that so? You're going to uh, detect a lack of chemistry or chemistry in the first in the first few seconds. Most people, when you're meeting someone for the first time, you're going to make a snap judgment based on physical attraction. Now, that's not always the case, but that's most of the time the case. And how much you're willing to invest is going to be based on how much how attracted you are. For example, I work I work with women. There, um, so my and my practice is mostly people over forty years old. You work with only women or mostly women? I'd say 99.9% of the time, the people who hire me are women. Wow, the that's interesting. A guy reaches out for my support. Why, why do you think that is? Before you tell me about your work with women, that's very interesting. Well, I, I'm going to give you a great analogy. Um, so men are more like, take for example, when it comes to directions, right? Guys rarely ever ask for directions. They figure they can, they, they mostly figure... They can do it themselves. Yeah, John, you're the guy in the gas station that knows the route. And they, exactly. the only so people that come here are the women. By the way, women are more fascinated with why men do blank. They're more fascinated with the why. Men are more interested in this, how do I meet a girl? And their bigger, their their challenge is mostly centered around confidence. That's where men are centered around. Women are all fascinated with the why. That's, that's one of the reasons why relationship books are purchased by women to, you know, nine out of 10 times compared to men. Men just buy books, how do I meet girls? <laughs> I'm not saying all men, but the vast majority of men. Right. Or let me rephrase rephrase that. The vast majority of women are the ones who buy the books that are relationship oriented. So in your in your practice, I interrupted you. You said you work with mostly women. Yeah. And um, and now I lost my train of thought. Where yeah. did I go? Um, you're, you're, um, oh, so go ahead. Well, we were talking about meeting strangers. So what happens right. is women will make a snap judgment of whether they not like a guy or not. And what's interesting, and I've heard the phrase men fall in love through their eyes. And women fall in love between their ears. But in today's dating realm, we're making such quick decisions that women are making a snap judgment based on their eyes, too. This is why a lot of people have a lot of first dates that never go anywhere. 
Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training in all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. So based on physical attraction. Right. And then uh, at some point that uh, seeds into the background, like you described, uh, easy for the man to relate to. And I suppose for the women as well. Yeah. And then, then what, then you got nothing to say. And so (laughs) the thing winds down, I guess. Exactly. But if two people are energetically connected and attracted to one another, they're more apt to say, you know, man's more apt to say, hey, let's go on another date and, you know, get together with them. Um, But in today's world, we're seeing a lot of people having first or second dates that never go anywhere, which didn't used to be the case when my mother, like this is a picture of my mom and dad. We've got, you know, they met in the 40s, right? (laughs) whole different ball game than today. There wasn't the internet, there wasn't social media, there wasn't chat rooms and the list goes on and on. So I guess one of the big reasons that we flame out after one or two dates is the incredible opportunity to engage further and have more, more choice rather than the old uh, story from the, the farming village where there was, uh, you know, only three prospects or I went to a, a private middle school and we had, uh, you know, 22 people in our graduating class. So um, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, opportunity to, to continue to move sw- swiping with your uh, finger to a new prospect. Yeah. Well, we used to have two things, you know, most uh, relationship decisions you know, that go back 50 plus 100 years ago was based on scarcity and proximity, scarcity and proximity. In other words, it was literally the only if you could see them in your purview, Uh you know, and all you could see was four people. So that's all you chose from. Now, because of this little device, we have access to 
tens of thousands of people all across the country. Oh, you got three messages on there when you showed I? me on, we're filming okay. this for YouTube. Okay, <laughs> go back to the show, back to the show. Uh, <laughs> and now there's the paradox of choice. Um, and uh, there's a great TED talk on this uh, for those just Google paradox of choice, but it so relates to the dating, mating, and relating realm because we have this perceived choice. In other words, we have many people have this perceived, well, this person didn't work out, so there's just an abundance of more people. And they get in that trap of like, tr- you know, going from one to the next, next, because they always think, oh, there's always someone better. Right. So there's uh, positive aspects of this, the, the freedom and the opportunity to engage with more people. And then there's that paradox of choice, which uh, one of the insights I pulled from this uh, idea that we have abundant choice today is that it's more stressful and we feel less satisfied. Uh, the example was buying a car. And if yeah. you go look at 36 different uh, car dealerships and you buy one, you drive away feeling less satisfied than the person who goes to three because it's just too overwhelming. And I would imagine the same thing with the, the dating and trying to sustain a relationship past the, the two-month mark or the, or the one-year mark or something. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating because as you're sharing that, I'm, I have to go buy a new car relatively soon and I'm thinking of all the different options. And it's really freaking me out. I, I, I'd much, in fact, I'll probably just stick with the same car and lease and, you know, the same car and you know, deal with it that way. Um, but then again, a car is just to get to and from. It's not a reflection of who I am. So it looks the same out the front windshield, almost any car. You see a hood and you see the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So in your own experience here, uh, you had this awakening, you had the tragedy in your life and, and you're out there trying to date and sort things out. And then I think you describe how you uncovered uh, the, um, <laughs> the the common denominator uh, in all the 100 failed dates, which was Jonathan, right? The, yeah. the, the, the only thing that's uh, you know unique to um, every situation. So um, where did it go from there? Uh, and, and how was the, you know, the transformation so that you could kind of cultivate this self-love and be a better better prospect for dating on in both directions a prospect for someone and and then also yourself yeah thanks for asking so uh, you know it's interesting is even though i had this awareness i was the common denominator it still took a lot of work to get to where i'm at today and and i'm going to be i'm very grateful for an experience i had a meta fantastic woman in january of 2011 we went on a journey together to uh, we were and i say a journey together we were in relationship for six years. Now, I want to be candid, there was some on and off periods in there too. So because we were individually still healing from our own wounds and traumas that happened in our life, there was a lot of work going on in my life and her life. And so while we were, we didn't end up in partnership together, uh, eventually, we thankfully, we're, we're, we're dear friends, we're actually family to one another now. Um, it was that experience. And I'm going to say it was a woman who opened my heart up. I was so grateful. In fact, this is a woman who's a, a doctor, a therapist. She used to have her own TV show called Straight from the Heart. I mean, this is a woman with a big, gigantic heart. And her heart opened my heart up. And while I wasn't really in a place to fully commit, and, and, um, and nor was she in our particular case, um, she really broke my heart open to recognizing the value of compassion, the value of generosity, the value of appreciation. It was through that experience that I really tapped into my own heart. 
So when she and I ended uh, three years ago, I actually, she gifted me for my birthday was the Hoffman process. And for those who aren't familiar with it, it is an amazing inner child workshop where you get to truly do a deep dive on healing childhood wounds that were, were reflection of your uh, parenting upbringing. And, and after that, I started to do even a deeper dive into healing who I was as a person. So, but then what happened to me? I lost my mother a few months after that, and then I lost my son. So, and during that period, I really cocooned and began doing a deeper dive into loving myself. And for some people, the word self-love might be a turnoff. So let me help you, you know, with this word. Self-love means self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-reliance, self-respect. Uh, it's all incorporated in the idea of loving oneself because there's a saying, if you can't love yourself, how can you love another? And that's where I've been on the last three years. And I feel like I've reached that place. Of, I've got solid ground underneath me to explore a new relationship and partnership, quite frankly. So we could assume that most everyone has some wounds from childhood that are lingering in there and deserving of letting go. And we could all probably uh, relate how we had a rough time one way or the other, uh, whether it was being bullied or having, uh, you know, abandonment things happening. Uh, but at a certain point, there's also some recommendations out there to, you know, uh, wake up, pick yourself up off the ground, uh, quit crying about it. And so we can't get into individual therapy on the show, but as in some general uh some general ideas maybe you could offer up for someone who, um, you know, might want to go down that route and do a little exploring about how these flawed childhood programming is affecting their day-to-day -day activity yeah. as adults. Yeah. You know, there's a, I'm so glad you brought this up because it reminds me of a book I read called shut up, stop whining and get a life by Larry Wingett, I believe is his name. I Jeez. I'll have to try to remember that title. Wow. Shut up, stop whining and get a life. Oh, okay. I remembered. Yeah. So what I so what the element of the the title itself is like look it's self responsibility it's self discipline it's self respect and ultimately when I remember when I was sharing about the dating the multiple dates I was the common denominator I look at inner peace as my barometer if I'm not feeling relative inner peace and I'm feeling you know uh, anxiety, depression, all those things is to look inward and say, okay, what can I do to heal myself? And as I said before, the vast majority of the population says somebody else has to heal me to feel, I need you to love me to feel good about myself. I mean, that's literally the way the vast majority operates. And so introspective work first needs a catalyst. And I believe it takes humbling moments to actually to have experienced those catalysts. My humbling moment was when I lost my quarter million dollar a year job and I got divorced and then I got wiped out in the market crash. Those were some big humbling moments. And then there were more than when losing my mom and losing my son, another humbling moment. I think it's through those experiences that we have a choice. I can either look inward or I can blame the, out the outside world. And those who look inward tend to, to, to do better in life than those that project it outward. Whew. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say that's pretty obvious. And, 
anyone who's stuck reciting a story about how they got screwed by the market downfall or the the job that they lost, they will remain stuck there until they you know they they create a catalyst of looking at the thing differently. But but stuck. But here's the thing about stuck ego. The unhealthy ego can keep you there for a very long time. It takes a level of being going. Wait a minute. My unhappiness is because of me, not because I got cheated on, not because I got ghosted, not because I was with a narcissist, not because of blah, 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 you know, my, my company laid me off or whatnot. It's looking at you have the power or we individually have the power to take charge of our own destiny. We just have to want to do that. And it takes a level of self-discipline to get there. So shut up, stop whining and get a life. <laughs> Yeah. And also look at that common denominator because it's pretty difficult to, you know, extract yourself from all the stories and all the wrongs that have happened to you uh, with your failed relationships, your string of failed relationships, but you can't deny that you're the common denominator. And so that's a, that's a good starting point. I I can't think of a better catalyst than to just ask that question. Like what was, uh, what was uh, similar amongst these eight women that you, uh, you flamed out with? Oh, okay. That's right. You were on the other side of the coin. Wow. I I have a theory, uh, and this is going to offend a few people, but let me just say it anyway. Um, I think instead of going to church every Sunday, for those that do, I think people should go to a funeral every Sunday. And let me explain why. Because what happens when you go to a funeral? You're literally standing outside in the reception hall after hearing the beautiful eulogies about people you cared about. And most people say, I'm not going to waste one more minute of my life. Literally, the vast majority of people say that, you know, to themselves. And three days later, they're back to their old patterns. But for a few short minutes, you're going to take people take charge of their destiny. And then they go back to a pattern. The the going back to the pattern is the self-discipline. It's saying, I'm going to make a change in my life and I'm going to stick with it. That's self-discipline. And that relates to the health, uh, you know, we were talking about before about healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. It takes self-discipline. Right. I guess we all have uh, an assortment of catalysts uh, thrown at us uh, over, you know, the past five years that we can reference. Every time you get ghosted or whatever, you're going to have a a tiny little catalyst there to pick yourself up and say, hey, I, you know, I deserve to go to the gym today and eat healthy. And then we'll check in with you in, in 60 days and everything's back to, uh, you know, the same square. So to, to leverage that, that spark and, and keep it going and, uh, keep that self-worth intact, I think is, um, that's probably the, the, the content of your book? Are you walking people through a strategy like this? Well, I have um, about, I have 30 different lessons that um, take you through it. It's really a journey of beginning a personal development, self-help and spiritual practice. But for example, chapter one of my book is called Speak Your Truth, Do It With Kindness. And what that simply means is our truth is our, is, is our feelings. Our feelings are our truth. It doesn't mean it's the truth. It's just your truth. And oftentimes people share their truth, but in a very combative or controversial or uh, um, um, combative way versus or confrontational way versus hey, this is my truth. I'm just going to say it in a nice way that that I feel is a more healthier way to approach communication as one example. Another example, my book relates to um, your body is a machine, not a temple, for example. 
Yeah, I've never heard that one, man. What's that all about? So what happened was, you might appreciate this. So um, I went on a journey of looking at food differently a couple of years ago. I thought, you know, and I started to watch every documentary I could get my eyes on. And I recognized that our body is a machine, really. And and what we feed this machine will affect, you know, how we feel, what energy levels we have, how we look. So... You know, by making it a temple, you're almost elevating it to like, ah, status. And I'm like, hey, just look at it like you would your car. Do you want to put crappy stuff in your car, gasoline tank, or do you want to put good things? Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. And that's my invitation is to put good things in your body. And certainly I, I encourage everyone to watch is read about food because food is simply fuel. And that's my invitation in that chapter. As an example, another chapter relates to money. It's called be a good steward of your money. We talked about the United States. I said, you know, we are a a country that lives more in debt. You know, the average person, I think 80% of the population has barely two months savings in their bank account to cover, you know, a COVID wipeout. Uh, The the top three wealthiest Americans have more money than the the bottom 50% combined, stuff like that. Yeah. And so being a good steward of your money is saying, look, I don't have to live off of, you know, um, I don't have to live beyond my means. And it's just an invitation in that chapter. So self-love is both your, you know, your heart, your body, your spirit. And I just take people on a journey of maybe having a little wake up call to begin that daily practice that I encourage at the end of the book. That's going to make you a better 
uh, partner or dater as well, if you're responsible with your money and you have your, your shit together, so to speak. Yeah. And, and by the way, when I told you I was in a six year relationship, I'm going to tell you, I met her, I was at the bottom of my life, but I'd been turning up. And why I want to share this was I had, remember I told you I lost my quarter million dollar year job. I lost the seven figure net worth in the market crash. And at a, as 40, a 40 year old man, I had to go with, live with my mom and dad. By the way, I used to live in a $2 million home, just to give you some contrast here. And That's but I was building- a list in Jonathan's life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I was here, I'd started my dating practice. I started to get a little momentum. I met this woman and she didn't reject me, even though I was living with mom and dad. So I wasn't in the solid place I am today. And it wasn't that she looked at my potential. She just said to herself, I don't need him to be financially successful to take care of me. And she went on the journey. We just went on a journey to see where it took us. And I'm grateful that she didn't reject me based on that experience of going, oh, my God, he lives with his mom and dad. He's, you know, he's relatively broke. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, not only are you grateful, it seems like an absolute necessity for a healthy relationship. And to me, uh, as an observation, we seem to be so uh, caught up in the superficial aspects of, of pairing up and place a, you know, a huge emphasis on uh, someone's means and their, uh, their, their net worth and their, uh, you know, their lifestyle. And this can, it seems like it sets you up for disappointment again and again, rather than taking care of your own matters, being a good steward of your own money, and then seeking to pair up with someone. Obviously, you can have long-term prospects and address some of those matters like, uh, you know, problems with debt or, or, you know, uh, having a steady job. But boy, that should come pretty far down the line. And I don't see that in one of your four pillars either. Well, actually, so... Interesting enough, I'm I, I'm not encouraging dating people that are in chaos in their life either. You know, so you know, I wasn't in chaos. I was just in the bottom, starting over again. There's a big difference. If I was in absolute chaos, I I would not have been a good partner for anyone. And I don't think people should choose people in chaos, both financially and other facets of their life. So I just let them heal on their time, not your time. Right, uh, right. is my suggestion. But um, ultimately, you know, it takes a level of compassion to sit across the table from another human being on a first date. And what it, I, I'm, I'm encouraging compassion, but I'm also encouraging something else, and that's respect. And sadly, people are dating without respecting the other person's feelings. And what I mean to say is they're dating myopically. In other words, I'm only caring about what I get out of this experience. And a lot of people will enter into relationships who have no business being in relationship. And I think respecting another human being is going, you know what? I know you could get attached to me. So I'm going to make sure that I'm in a place where if I'm going to make this investment, it's worth it versus, and I'm sorry, a lot of men in particular will allow a woman to get attached to them who has no business being in relationship. And I say this because I call myself a heart protector for women. I, I come across as the big brother. And I, I think of this analogy. Um, do you remember the, you know, when a, uh, a guy used to pick up, or a, a high school guy picked up his prom date at the person's house, okay? And the big brother answers the door. And the big brother goes, look, if you treat my sister like shit, I'm going to kick your ass. 
And I would, I wish I could tell every guy, this is what's going to happen if you treat my sister like shit. <laughs> oh, I just saw Den of Thieves, that movie with yes. 50 Cent, where he yes. has the, uh, the guy go into a, a, a separate garage. door of the home. And there's about 17 of his gangsters in there. They had a, a little talk and then he goes back to his prom date. That was classic. Brad, I literally brought up that story in a podcast I recorded uh, the other day called, uh, well, I forgot the title of the podcast, but I literally uh, shared that story because it's a great analogy. And what the father says to the boy, he goes, look, I protected my daughter the last 17 years of her life, and I'm giving you this job for this moment. So you better tell me right now, if you're not capable of this job of protecting my girl, both on a physical and emotional level, then you better back off right now because my buddies are going to kick the shit out of you. Now, what was classic was when the boy left the room and the guys all got together and laughed yeah, because yeah. they scared the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm here to say, you better, you know, I'm here to encourage, look, you should get the shit kicked out of you if you treat someone with disrespect. And that's where, you know, we're a society where we take people for granted. And I'm here to say it's got to change. And that's one of my encouragements is to encourage women to be empowered in their lives. And for this reason alone, or this reason amongst many. Boy, that would certainly be nice to um, have these kind of topics come up in the first, second, and third date, where the woman could show a little bit of uh, uh, resilience that she's not going to be a pushover. And then if the man's, uh, if that 1% of your clients that's, that's male are enlisting your services, they could try to, you know, come off from the very beginning showing that they have a concern for the other person's well-being and, and, and values rather than just uh, trying to woo them and get what they want. And I'm, re- I'm referencing, um, I think it's um, uh, John Gottman said the three stages of relationship. The stage number one is uh, you're getting your needs met. So everything's great. You're, you're, you're getting some action. Uh, stage number two is you're meeting the needs of your partner and that also feels good and your ego gets inflated because you uh, bought your partner a dozen roses and delivered it to work. And then stage three is that your partner's needs become your own. And that's when you are a real team. And I guess we're not getting to that stage three very often in, uh, in the dating scene. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. So dating, you know, most people date, let's just have fun. Let's just have fun. Mm. And I'm, as a coach, my, I say, no, your job is to interrogate that person. Now, I'm saying this tongue in cheek, okay? (laughs) What I mean by interrogate is you have to be Columbo. You literally have to be looking for those Columbo, if anyone remembers Columbo. (laughs) For our younger listeners, he was a famous detective on TV. Yeah, but he was able to listen to the clues to determine whether or not that this person was guilty of the crime, right? And it's the same thing. I go under the assumption that most people are are wounded and have not healed. I just go under that premise. And so I find out, you know, like, hey, what happened in your last relationship? Uh, You know, and oh, blah, 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 blah happened and go, how did you heal from that? By Mm. asking really good value-based questions. And I love, you mentioned John Gottman. I love his book, Eight Dates. Eight Dates, I highly recommend everybody read this. Because when you understand the mechanics of a successful relationship, then you can start vetting based on, do we share the same values? Do we have blendable lifestyles? And is this an emotional grown-up? And I always say to women, and I I hope you don't mind me saying this, ladies, if you're going to allow a penis into a vagina, 
then on a regular basis, then you make your guy buy this book and you both read it together. And if he's not willing to do it, he's not your guy. Yeah, I think there's these uh, little opportunities, seemingly trivial events that can become huge character revealing insights. And if you're paying close attention and um, boy, once those things come about, uh, I know there's that saying in the uh, domestic abuse uh, scene where uh, the first time is one time too many, right? Because we know yeah. it's going to continue on. And if you applied that to, you know, routine dating interactions, boy, um, I think the chemistry clouds out some of those character revealing insights where, you know, this is not the right thing, but uh, yeah. if you can pay more attention, boy, you could save yourself some, some pain and suffering. Absolutely. There's a great book by um, Barbara DeAngelis called, if I have it right here, called Are You the Right One for Me? And this goes, is like Jonathan's library show. Oh, here. well, let me, it, look, let me show you the book attached and the book Getting the Love You Want. And uh, I Our, mean, the, um, the, uh, my, my awesome time stamper and uh, uh, link provider for the shows, Gail, my mom, is going to be very busy on this show oh, tracking well, down all those sorry. books. Well, make sure you include the book, What the Heck is Self-Love, anyway, there, because that's my book. Wow, nice uh, cover. Let's see. Show that for the, uh, the, the viewers on YouTube. I love it, man. Very simple, clean cover. You can't miss it. Nice picture on the back. By the way, just to, just to share with you, because I mentioned the relationship I had, this picture was taken at my ex-girlfriend's house by her, her current or her boyfriend partner. They lived together. But he took that photo, and I just loved it. And I thought this would be great for the back cover. Uh, happens to be in the same picture that's right there. Um, I have, why I shared that was we, we transitioned from relationship to family to one another. In fact, I am so grateful because she was there for me when my mother passed away. And then when my son passed away, she was there for me. So why I'm sharing this is that just because two people aren't right for each other doesn't mean that love, and I don't mean, you know, um, sexual type of love. I just mean love can't exist. And I'd like to think she and I are an example of how we transition from partnership to family. And we don't have to let every relationship go by the wayside. Well, that's a nice story. And I imagine if you told that at a first date, you know, that, that's a nice insight that you can be close and connected to even an ex where a lot of times those are just crash and burn stories. So that's, a, you know, it's quite, a, quite honorable. And I think something that everyone should strive for. And if someone has a problem with it, then they're not exactly love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I sit there and vomit it, but I Mm -hmm. I mean, I, because I, I don't talk to her as much as I used to partially because she lives Mm -hmm. farther away and whatnot. But my point is this is an important person in my life, just like my sister or my brother. And so this is a good tell um, by asking what I said, value-based questions. Now, most people will say, don't ask questions on date, just have fun. And I want to stick my finger down my throat and vomit because the dating process is a process of evaluating whether or not you want to be in a relationship with someone. Then, and if it's not, if you're just having fun that you should then pay your own way for dates and just hang out together. But if you're going to date with the intent of wanting a relationship, then be more conscious and mindful about asking really good value-based questions, at least in my humble opinion. Hmm, That's interesting uh, because how about taking it from a different direction where 
you are just out there to have fun because you're not ready for a relationship now because you're in intensive therapy and you're healing childhood wounds, but you have a companion to go for a bike ride uh, on the beach and then go uh, have a burrito. Uh, but if you're having so much fun and you have a nice baseline of uh, mutual respect without the pressure of dating, could you one day then change the conversation? I think we see this in the movies all the time where um, they're, you know, they're out on another uh, a bike ride and then uh, someone reaches in for a kiss. So I was thinking of Harry Met Sally as a close example, not exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. If you're on a dating site, oh. what's your purpose for being on? I mean, right. remember I go back, most people are meeting strangers. It's one thing if you're, hey, you're at a work environment, you're just getting to know someone, totally support having fun for one another, one with one another. But here's another question. Who's paying for the dates? Because if there's an expectation and you're just having fun, you're just having fun, but I still expect you to pay for my fun, then it's not genuine. So I'm a little bit more conscious and mindful of these little factors because some people are just wanting to have fun. And I get it. It should be fun. A date should be fun. But what's your real underlying purpose for it? If it's just merely to have fun for your own satisfaction, how fair is that to the person who gets attached to you? Remember, I talked about respect before. So that's just, it's just, I want to create awareness around this. Everybody's entitled to do whatever they want. You're on your own journey. This is just my perspective on how the journey could be. Right, right. And I think the the dynamics are different among the youth today. If you read the statistics and, and talk to a lot of them, and I think that conversation always has to be had and possibly uh, had numerous times over over a time period where we're just we're just buddies, we're just hanging out, and then we're oh are we friends with benefits now? Are we are we something different? And just to keep those communication lines open so it's always clear because that's when you're talking about heartbreaking and and all those kind of things when you're just ignoring the some of the elephants in the room. Yeah, I once shot a video. I love this. I call it, you, you're most likely in a friends with benefits relationship, but you just don't know it. In other words, a lot of people are, <laughs> you're, in, you're in a casual relationship or a friend, and, I, and I'm not saying it's conscious, but you're in that relationship, you just don't know it because you haven't asked really good questions. And women in mm. particular are afraid of asking questions because they're afraid of disrupting the relationship. Mm. And, and so one of the chapters in my book is, if it's sincere and from the heart, you can never say the wrong thing to the right person. If it's sincere and from the heart, you can never say the wrong thing to the right person. So if you sincerely go, hey, I just want to know what your perspective is on this relationship. Are you open to sharing with me? Because I'd like to share what mine is. If that scares someone away, they weren't your guy or girl. Uh, that's a beautiful insight. And even uh, getting dumped, right? And you're heartbroken because you got dumped. But I, I, when I, when I have my chance, I go in for the kill and I, I'll tell that person, well, they did you a favor. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? You know, they, they broke my heart. And I'm like, well, they, you know, they did it now rather than wasting time or, or anything else. And if you, I, I feel like we have to get to that point where we look at things in this manner rather than stay mired and stuck in these ruts of uh, either, uh, you know, grief and self-pity or uh, the ego, the superiority of thinking you got screwed uh, on the last 17 relationships. 
Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a meme. I think I saw it says rejection is God's protection. It kind of relates to what you just said, but I'm here to say a lot of people think they got rejected and I'd like to shift that narrative. It was simply a misalignment. That's all that happened. They weren't aligned with you. You weren't aligned with them and they decided to move on. That's not being rejected. That's just an awareness that's a misalignment because the person, I, and I see this with women a lot of times, they feel like they've been rejected or guys feel the same way. But that's almost, there's a level of shaming yourself. Like there's something wrong with you and there is nothing wrong with anybody. We are humans. We're fallible. We're imperfect. You know, we're irrational, illogical human beings at times. And yet we're also loving and compassionate and wonderful human beings at the same time. There's no need to beat yourself up just because someone said, I don't want to go on this journey with you. Oh, it's, I think, also a way to uh, diffuse accountability mm. and, and put the blame on someone else. And then you can, you can skate free saying you were rejected. Yeah, but that's I didn't think of it that way. I mean, now hearing it, that makes absolutely sense. But yeah, exactly. In other words, it's not taking ownership because maybe it was really the misalignment was because you need more healing in your life. That's right. all. Yeah. You know? Oh man, this has been some great stuff. Uh, before we go, I I do want to ask you about something we talked about offline because uh, John Gray was one of the popular episodes uh, on, on the podcast, and he comes at the relationship from the biological underpinnings that make men and women different and how those drive all behaviors and motivations. Uh, but you said that's not quite the whole story. And I thought that's an interesting, interesting perspective. Yeah. So I've had this awareness and this is just my perception and no disrespect to John Gray, because he's a best-selling author, amazing human being. However, in the dating realm, in the relationship realm, biology makes up a small percentage of, the, of a person's personality. So penis or vagina, it doesn't really matter because your personality is made up of your childhood wounds, your traumas, your adult experiences, life experience, life traumas. Um, all of these things make up our personality. And we don't fall in love. I mean, yes, biologically, we, we need a penis into a vagina. I mean, for those heterosexuals, that's how it works. But the but the bottom line relationship is based on their personality and their emotional maturity, emotional maturity. And that's where I, I love his advice, but it doesn't work in the dating realm because it's a small percentage of it. At least I want to bring attention to those other factors because not all men are the same and not all women are the same. <laughs> There's just such you, you can't pigeonhole gender based on biology, because there's so much more to a person than their biology. Yeah, I love this connection. I'm sure if, if we were having a, a talk show with, um, with, with John in the other seat, I yeah. feel like this is a beautiful, um, th there's a way to connect this because you have to have emotional maturity over your male biological drives and yeah. your, your female propensity. So yeah. I don't think there's a conflict, but it's, it's a really nice add-on to say, look, you may be that... Uh, person that wants to get laid and, and leave the room and, and move on quickly because that's how the man regenerates testosterone. That's an interesting concept. Uh, yeah. But then if, the, uh, if your partner says, uh, why are you getting up so quickly? Can you stay here and hang out for a little? Um, you know, you can kind of, uh, you know, bring some different perspective in then, nope, I have to go regenerate my testosterone with a testosterone boosting activity such as a workout or fixing my motorcycle in the garage. That's yeah. when we can kind of continue to evolve these relationships relationships with heightened awareness. 
That's exactly it. So I'm just here to draw attention that, that while the book is great, it's only one piece of the puzzle. You need to read Harvell Hendricks, Getting the Love You Want. You need to, well, not, you don't need to do anything, but these are my suggestions. You deserve to, right, John? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Read Attached so you understand attachment style. Read the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg so you can learn to communicate your feelings better. Because it's the problem is this. I think in the dating realm, when we pit it as a gender issue, we've already created a divide. You might as well say Republicans and Democrats, because it's not about the gender, it's about the heart. And each human heart is unique in and of itself because of their life experience and not because of their biology. At least that's my pitch and I'm sticking with it. I love it. I'm so glad that my listeners got exposed to you. My, my goal with this show is I want to get you, I want to refer you a male client because 99% to one, I think the males can benefit from this just as well heading into the dating scene. So if there's a, a guy listening who's single and working the, the apps right now, I know a few of them I can uh, send the link to this show to, uh, what would be sort of your, your pitch to, to sh- tell them that uh, you can help them in some way with this game? Well, you know, it just occurred to me as you're asking that is, look, I'll, I'll help you work on your personal development, self-help and spiritual work, your self-love work. But the good news is I have a database of women too. So oh, I might be able to turn oh, now he's, great woman. Now he's closing the deal, people. Yeah. I, you know, it just occurred to me is I talk to hundreds of women every month. Uh, I just might have someone in my, I'm not a matchmaker. So I'm here to say this clearly, but that might be a benefit of, of hiring me. <laughs> You're not a matchmaker, but you wouldn't put it past you. It's not against the regulations. In fact, I had a client reach out to me and said, hey, I have a great girlfriend for you. And, and while I did meet and it wasn't a love connection, it was just nice to, you know, the other thing is the old fix up doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Uh, it was nice to bring it back and experience a level of comfort because again, meeting a stranger is a challenge these days because in fact, we're probably more apt to teach treat a stranger at the grocery store nicer than the strangers we meet on dating sites. Sadly. Whew. Okay. let's turn that around with, with Jonathan's help. Where yep. can we uh, connect with you? I know there's a lot of listeners that are already hooked. Probably a lot of females are going to sign up right away. And maybe a couple of males will tiptoe over there with that great pitch that he's got the database ready for you males. <laughs> so how do we uh, find you? Get your uh, book. Well, Obviously the books everywhere. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some links here below, but my with my name, certainly. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel that's really taking off. I have a podcast called the What Would Love Do podcast, and we explore life, love, and the pursuit of inner peace through the eyes of love. Um, certainly my website, jonathanaslay.com, and then um, I'm on social media and all those places as well. Jonathan Aslay, thanks for a great show. I appreciate it very much. Oh, Brad, thank you. It's been an honor. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. Da, 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 da. Shaking hands over the camera. Da, 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 da. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hey, this is going to be one of my favorite commercials because I get to introduce you to the delicious, nutritious, life-changing Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. This is a mind-blowing nut butter blend that will soon ascend to your number one go-to snack, treat, or accoutrement for anything from dark chocolate, a cucumber celery smear, or mixed in with yogurt, oatmeal, cheesecake, or with a spoon right into your mouth, heading south. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I created in my kitchen through whirlwind experimentation and 
extreme sampling to my VIP product testing crew across the nation so far with 100% approval. In this beautiful jar, we have macadamia nuts, walnuts, cashews, the rare and precious coconut butter, coconut flakes, cacao nibs, real ancient sea salt, and organic MCT oil. Every single ingredient has been sourced to origin to be the very best we could find from around the world for the absolute highest purity and nutritional value. We run this product in small batches with a boutique family business in the Pacific Northwest, and everything is cold-pressed to preserve nutritional value. So if you like eating healthy, it's a dream come true for all those who are keto, primal, paleo, and vegan, vegetarian, too. I come in peace, my global, healthy, living friends. Masterpiece, that is. Try some now, and it will change your life. I promise. If you don't like it, send it back to me. I'll eat it. You can order Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece on Amazon. Simple, simple. Or if you're bold, daring, and adventurous, buy three and get a bottle free at bradventures.com. Buy six and we'll send you eight. Christmas shopping early instead of late at bradventures.com. Check it out. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Uh. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.